Before we start today, a quick reminder that in two months' time, Unmade will start accepting advertising. We're hiring a head of sales right now. If you're interested in finding out more, drop an email to damien at unmade.media. That's damien at unmade.media. Start the week with Tim and Damo on the Unmade podcast. Welcome back. I'm Damien Francis. And I'm Tim Burrows. Today, the bids land for AFL rights. How long will radio's recovery take? And outdoor alliances. Unmade. Morning, Damo. It obviously goes without saying that you've been up late into the night watching sport. I guess it's just the question of which sport, what with uh, Formula One and the uh, women's Euros in the UK. Look, probably no guesses which sport, but I'm I'm going to be honest, Tim. I fell asleep halfway through the race and woke up extraordinarily confused with about ten minutes to go. So, I'm not Australia's biggest sporting fan at the moment. Uh, that, that's for sure. But what about yourself? What did you invest your time in? Oh, uh, look, I I I made it to one a.m. and the uh, and the Formula One. I'm afraid, and I'm now really disappointed. I didn't stay up for the two a.m. kickoff of the uh, England in the Euro finals and course congratulations to them on their marvelous victory now um demo where should we start this week well how about uh we keep on the the theme of sport tim with a, a bit more news in the sydney morning herald in the age on the afl rights deal yeah and, and probably no surprises here other than a bit of an update on where we're getting to so zoe samios reports in the age in the sydney morning herald um she reckons that bids from four companies have come in which uh makes sense um all, all of the expected players really so um uh, foxtel seven west media and owner of channel 10 paramount um and then I suppose the interesting one is the fact that Nine has dipped its toe in the water as well. Nine um, owning a stand. So that's that, although people were expecting, is new information. Now, um, so that that's kind of uh, interesting in itself. Um, you know, to recap at the moment, um, Seven has the free-to-air rights and um, Foxtel. Uh, along with um, its sister streaming service, KO, have the uh, pay TV rights. Um, now, one of the pieces of expectation management, and this also ties back a bit uh, to, to what we were talking about a week or two back, um, a piece in The Australian. Certainly, AFL is starting to manage expectations about the size of the bid. So this spectation, this speculation that AFL could bring in $600 million um, a year, which obviously would amount to $3 billion over five years, maybe that's a bit high, seems to be the expectation management today. Now, of course, you can see why it's in the interest of both sides of the negotiation to to, to create that speculation. So, so we'll see about that one. But the, the, the other kind of additional piece of new information is, um, uh, from, from, from this article is how close we are now with formal officers, formal offers coming in last week. Now, what's not clear, and usually these things are a bit murky is what opportunities there are for all of the bidders now 
to go again or to top their initial bids. So we'll have to see where we go go at this. I, I, I presume it's not just your bids in and that's it because we'd know the winner, but certainly we are close to uh, to the point where 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 we'll start to get you know a good picture on where it's going to go. So in your experience, Tim, because you've uh, sort of lived through a, a fair few of these, do you think this is a sign that we're close or is this really just the start of more longer, more detailed discussions? Look, I don't fully know. Um, sometimes these things happen incredibly fast, though. So the last set of AFL rights did happen really fast. Now, that was against a different backdrop because that had been where uh, News Corp were absolutely infuriated because NRL had just done a deal um, with Nine and hadn't in- included anything for them at that stage. And Rupert Murdoch and Lachlan Murdoch happened to be in town. So everything was done um, very, very quickly to allow them to make some sort of announcement and sort of, you know, I guess, stick it to NRL. We haven't got that particular competitive tension, but equally, you know, the 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 clock is ticking on the CEO of AFL, um, Gil McLaughlin, standing down at the end of the year. Um, so it, it certainly feels like we're fairly imminent. Now, it's probably a good time to recap the who's got the other major rights, really, because with all this AFL talk, it's been easy to forget that there's other major sports in market. Uh, I was at the pub uh, on Saturday watching uh, the Broncos get absolutely smashed by the, the West Tigers, which was a bit of a shock. But, uh, Tim, which other media have the big rights uh, already for other sports? Yeah, it's worth – and it's one of those things. It's only when you really – dig into how much the TV networks rely on sport as a reliable portion of the the schedule, something they can sell to sponsors ahead of time. You realise the importance. So um, in free-to-air, AFL is the key um, uh, winter sport for, um, for, for, for seven. And then as, as, as we say, you know, Foxtel have the, uh, the um, pay TV rights. Similarly for Nine, they own NRL. And again, Foxtel has pay TV rights. So those are the two key winter sports. And then the key summer sports really are cricket, which um, these days um, lives with seven, although, of course, that's a fractious relationship at the moment, and tennis, which Nine snatched a few years back. Um, and then the outlier, and also which, 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 which points a bit towards why 10 has so much urgency to get in on the action is the the the, the soccer rights uh, 10 has got um 10 and um sister streaming service paramount plus so that there are always a few moving parts but um but you know if it's a giant game of jenga then afl is a pretty important block next radio's slow recovery um Right, let's turn to the Australian because they've been talking to Southern Cross Oz Stereo boss Grant Blackley. Tim? Yeah, a piece in the Oz this morning, which I, I think maybe is a way of um, refreshing things from an, an, an event that um, Southern Cross Oz Stereo held midweek last week, but we'll come on to that one. Um, the focus of the Australian's piece, though, is is about broadcast radio and um, its revenue. There's a couple of interesting stats there because 
something we've talked about in the past is COVID was such an outlier. Um, when you compare numbers to, you know, COVID compared to the year before, it was always terrible. But we also, when we compare numbers now to the years of COVID, everything looks great. So really what you've got to do is dig into, um, you know, the numbers now compared to the numbers before and almost rule COVID out of it, which is one of the things that the Oz has done. Um, which are looking at um, uh, the, the, the sort of benchmark for radio of the quarter going up to June 2019, uh, radio's revenue was $209 million. Now, making the point um, that in that equivalent quarter just gone, it was only $190 million. So we're still some way off radio's peak Um which you know, which had it been 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 reached just before COVID. So um, yeah, you know, the, the the conversation with Grant Blackley, CEO of SCA, is very much around waiting for that radio recovery to come along. And you you mentioned it just quickly before, but uh, SCA one of the big focuses for them uh, last week uh, was about listener. Yeah, so this was um, an event I attended myself in Sydney. Um, for someone who lives in Tasmania, I seem to be spending a lot of time in Sydney at the moment. When we finish talking, I'm jumping straight back on a plane for advertising week as well. Um, but yeah, this was the audio amplified event, which, um, SCA held and it, it really reminded me in style and, and scale because it wouldn't have been cheap to run of an upfronts, but it was talking all about listener. So it was all about their audio offering, um, which, you know, Broadly, obviously, podcast is a big part of it, and that was the emphasis in the presentation. But it's also, you know, streaming of 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 of, of, of their radio stations, both kind of analog and and, 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 and digital as well. Um, but a couple of things came out of that that fascinated me. Uh, I guess the really major well, two yeah, two really interesting points. I think one is we could well see a time when SCA calls itself Listener as its main brand. And that was something um, Grant Blackley, you know, just mentioned in the kind of panel chat, but he then also, you know, kind of confided. And and I also mentioned this at the Radio Days conference in, in Europe a few weeks back. So it wasn't just slipping out. Clearly that's setting the agenda a bit there. And his other point was that um, SCA, or in this case, Listener, could be set up for international expansion as well. So there's a couple of months until the SCA board has their annual strategy meeting in in October, which is a two-day meeting. Uh, but it really feels like the conversation, certainly the conversation that Grant Blackley wants to have at that meeting, is all about putting resource into international expansion. Coming up next, it's all happening in outdoor. So as COVID numbers blip back upwards again in Australia and we talk about yet another peak, uh, the outdoor industry is trying to calm down worried investors. Uh, QMS boss John O'Neill was in the AFR this morning, Damo. Yeah, that's right, Tim. They're getting on the, the front foot, I guess, here. As you mentioned, the, the there's a lot of warnings out in market about uh, COVID numbers increasing and potential uh, I guess scenarios there about 
mask wearing and mandated work from home uh, really returning in force again. So uh, QMS boss John O'Neill's been on the the front foot suggesting that, um, you know, uh, more work from home orders, for example, won't stop the success of uh, outdoor media. Now, uh, the, the quote that the AFR and Miranda Ward have uh, inserted into the story from John is, uh, people working from home are still going out. Uh, so he alludes to audience numbers and, and data that they're getting indicating that the city is still full. Um, now, this kind of comes despite to the Chief Medical Officer Paul Kelly uh, suggesting that uh, businesses should be allowing where possible their uh, employees to, to work from home to contain the, the current spread. And We've seen a number of big businesses uh, do that uh, already uh, in the article Telstra and Westpac uh, are mentioned. But look, I mean, we talked about that uh, COVID uh, outlier, the, the sort of 2020 year. It hit outdoor really hard. So the, the figure mentioned in the article uh, w- was that uh, revenue was down $152.5 million in 2020. And while we've seen some pretty significant percentage uh, climbs uh, in SMI data since then, obviously that's from uh, quite a, a low base. But, you know, look, Tim, uh, it's, it's one of those things where you, I think I've got to be honest and, and you may have the same experience. Mondays and Fridays, for example, are, are still relatively dead uh, in the city. If you if you have a look around, the, the trains are relatively empty, the buses are relatively empty. Um, and, and it's interesting to hear the the whole idea of uh, asking uh, so that the major employers in the city to allow their employees to work from home because you know, the contacts I have in, in some of these major um, businesses and, and smaller ones as well is they were never essentially told to return to work full-time anyway. They were already still uh, working from home a, a few days a week. But this... Uh, this, according to the article, isn't um, you know warring uh, O'Neill, and, and he says that it's the entertainment uh, aspect which is going to keep people coming into the city and and uh, you know exploring the, you know the, the the dining and entertainment uh, options despite the the possible uh, fourth fifth where are we up to outbreak um, in, in the future. Well, I suppose one other aspect it's worth kind of flagging is. Very shortly before the pandemic, QMS won the rights to control the outdoor uh, market in um, the city of Sydney, took that off JC Decaux. Obviously, you you have to guarantee some big revenues to win that. Um, you'd think they might be regretting winning that one. Yeah, look, there, there were so many delays with that as well, with the, the street furniture contract for the, the city of Sydney. You know, reading between the lines, they're very keen to make sure that the people are still getting into the city and uh, and exploring. But yeah, look, I think you're right. The amount of investment that that has had to go into that uh, for all the updates, uh, particularly in a time where outdoor as well is really spooking digital and investing a lot in in digital billboards and and measurement uh, as well. It, it's a lot going on for a sector of the industry that that's had some pretty tough times, uh, arguably more so than most uh, media sectors over the last couple of years. Well, speaking of digital outdoor, um, there's, there's more going on in outdoor as well. In the, the Australian, they're, they're reporting that um, O Media have done a deal with News Corp. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 
hey, nothing, uh, I guess nothing out of the ordinary here in terms of we've seen these sorts of deals before, but maybe not to this extent, but uh, News Corp uh, journalism will be featured in O's digital displays. Um, now that's uh, video content and that's uh, uh, written content as well. There'll be an editor who's assigned uh, to selecting uh, the content and uh, both News Corp and uh, O are sort of flagging the opportunity here uh, to, you know, really spruik the a the wares of O and and b the the quality of news coming out of News Corp. Uh, so a, an interesting deal uh, there, but uh, I think one of the more interesting aspects of that I saw as well from a journalistic point of view was the ability to push breaking news out straight away across the O digital network. And, you know, this is not O's first um, little look into uh, news media, of course. They've been involved uh, with uh, Junkie previously, slightly different kind of angle on news. But um, uh, it seems like a a pretty good deal for, for both parties here. Yeah, of course, and certainly when you look at the O Media billboards in the in the Qantas lounges, for instance, they they already carry news components, you know, which is of course, you know, it's 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 a good strategy, I suppose, when outdoors could be a purely advertising medium, but you give some news content, it's another reason to get people's eyes on the screen, which obviously then then broadly gives better effectiveness to the advertiser. If people are looking already looking at the screen for another reason, um, also kind of interesting in the nature of the deal, and I know it doesn't actually say so in the news article. Is it doesn't necessarily look like money is a changing hand in either direction. Certainly, it doesn't doesn't necessarily say so. You know, you can see the the potential advantage for News Corp is in in you know exposure of its journalism and promotion of that, and for O Media, it's that content. Um. And I suppose if there's going to be an alliance, it, it does make sense because uh, Kath O'Connor, the boss of O Media, is is already close to News Corp or the News Corp family. Yeah, that's right. Of course, Tim, she was uh, the boss of Nova previously before joining O, and uh, the the news connection there is, uh, of course, Lachlan Mur- Murdoch. Uh, so you know, look, uh, she certainly got experience there, and I think to your point uh, as well, looking at that. Uh, deal you can see why it would be beneficial for for both parties and not necessarily require uh, money changing hands there next a streaming slowdown Unmade. back into the afr and they've got data suggesting some consumers are cancelling streaming subscriptions uh, tim are we surprised gosh um firstly i suppose one of the bits of context is people do cancel all the time. You know, that's the nature of streaming. People come in or out. So it's always about filling the bucket faster at one end than the subscribers leak out at the other. Um, the piece in the AFR is based on some research from Kantar. Now, one of the things to bear in mind is because most of these companies don't really share very much data, the individual um, streaming companies. So when it comes to all this data, it really is just a question of everybody's best guess. You know, that was something when I was looking at the um, media entertainment um, outlook report from PwC a few weeks back is everyone just has to do their own research and guess on where they're at. So, um, you know, what, 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 
what Kantara has done is they reckon that um, in terms of new subscriptions, they're reckoning that um, Prime Video are probably doing best. Amazon's offering, followed by Disney+. Plus. And actually, in terms of new subscriptions, Netflix is quite a long way behind. Now, of course, in part, that was because it had really good penetration to start with. Um, but um, but yeah, certainly Kantara is suggesting that in households with at least one subscription service, um, Netflix has just gone down slightly from an 80% penetration to 788 And then as you allude to, one of the kind of really interesting things is amongst younger people, that seems to be the households where subscriptions have actually gone gone down overall. And of course, one of those things to speculate around that is the question of, is this because of affordability and just the inflationary pressures at the moment are actually um, persuading people to make difficult decisions about what they actually do, do choose to subscribe to. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, when you, when you look at it as well, the, the prime video subscriptions can potentially be uh, slightly confusing in that, of course, there's a lot more to a prime subscription than just video. And particularly in a cost of living crisis, when you get free delivery for the year for a, a rather small monthly fee and then video thrown in for that, that would probably have a fairly significant effect on your purchasing uh, decisions. Uh, we spoke about sport at the start of the podcast as well. The One of the stats that was uh, surprising me somewhat was uh, the the drop in new subscribers uh, for KO uh, year on year uh, was uh, one of the bigger ones as well, uh, particularly with sport really this year kind of getting back into it. But um there's a lot of competition in, in that market as well for, for sports rights. We've seen Sand Sport come out swinging and the aforementioned Amazon Prime taking a bit of uh, swing as well. So it um, be interesting to see uh, what, if anything, KO does to uh, alleviate that potential issue. Well, that is it for today. We would love to hear what you think of everything we've been talking about at letters at unmade.media. That's letters at unmade.media. And I'll be back tomorrow with Choose Data, tackling the TV ad spend stats for the month of July. Don't forget, if you want to support Unmade, you can become a paying member. Go to unmade.media to find out how. Today's podcast was produced with the usual enthusiastic support of Abe's Audio. See you next time. Toodle pep. Unmade. Podcast edit by Abe's Audio.